I don't know how much value I have in this universe, but I do know that I made a few people happier than they would have been without me. As long as I know that, I'm as rich as I ever need to be. Back once again with another episode. This is part two of Groove Control's um, story. We sort of left it on a cliffhanger, didn't we? We were just yeah. about to get all spicy and exciting. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, go that far, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we got to about 2016 and you just... I think it was no. 14, 15 maybe I'm off yeah. the top of my head. Yeah. Depends. And basically we were just getting to the juicy bits where it's starting to sort of take off again for you. Um, so I just thought I'd carry on meet up today, um, and there was like stuff that we afterwards talked about, and we we're like, oh yeah, we didn't cover this bit, we didn't cover this bit. So part two is definitely needed for it, so to say. Yeah, well. yeah. And um, obviously, people wanted to hear about the more recent stuff as well, so we're good to go. Um, basically, where we left off at is you started doing the dig and dag stuff. You were um, doing your groove control releases and stuff. Yeah. Um, coming back and you'd sort of you said you'd spent time with some people um in the studio sort of trying to enhance your yeah your, your touched levels. on that touched on that briefly um so basically what I, I wanted to get at was i want to talk a bit more about production and that as well today um basically you last time like last time we were here uh i wanted to cover the sort of um the aspect of you leveling up like because as good as your old stuff was, you'll and you've, you you agree with me yourself that it was it, there was a like a, a big step up where your you, you, your music got fatter. The the I think the music itself, that the melodies, the chord progressions, everything just got the much more depth to it. So, was that a conscious conscious decision to like sort of upskill yourself? Would you say? Uh, yeah, you've just got to constantly look at. How can you improve? Is this song as good as like it can be? Yeah. And it's a double-edged sword because obviously you don't want to do too much to songs, but mm. at the same time you want to, if you can't improve certain aspects, at least make the quality of it better than what it needs to be. Like a lot of bass lines need subs, lead, yeah. like to feel it in yeah. a club, not just hear it, but feel it. Yeah. Um, but now I got very limited with what I could do and I wanted to see how could I improve it and the only way, well, the quickest way you can improve is go in with someone who is genuinely better than you. Yeah. Whether, and I actually did that with a couple of people. Yeah. Now the side track of that is they do engineer a track for you. Mm. However, you've gone in with the idea for the track. Mm-hmm. By going in with the idea, you've gone in with what the sound you're after, the idea you're after, and then as they do it, you ask them the questions like, so why do you do this? Why do you do that? Yeah. And that's all it is. That's the only way you're going to get better quicker. Or you I can sit there that. and watch YouTube videos. And sometimes it's swallowing your pride because mm. some people don't agree with going in with engineers. But mm. if there's someone better than you, I always agree going with them and get, yeah. even if it's once or twice, just going in once or twice can improve your sound quality tenfold. Or you may find like a little trick that you never realized. Well, don't take it the wrong way, but like your your production went from here to here after. Yeah, they yeah and a... you can tell who you'd been in with as well because you could the the sound went up to sort of their level as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, so uh, so for instance, when I'd started heard your kicks and basses, you could hear you could see the the way that you 
you take on the way they compress a kick drum, for instance. Yeah. Um, you don't mind me saying who you were with, do you? Like, so you were obviously with... I'm more curious to see if you know who I was with. Were we with Glenn? Yes. Um, Glenn's the one who went in with the most laying the most because he was doing tell. he was doing the style that I wanted to do. Yeah. Or he had that sound nailed down, like the big hard house, hard house, hard style, yeah. synthy sound. And yeah. uh, I loved a lot of the stuff he was doing with Whitby and the Energy Syndicate. And, yeah. and weirdly, I only realised he was in Manchester thanks to Dave Gray. Because <laughs> uh, which is literally what he was literally half an hour away from where I lived, and I thought, well, it suits going four hours down south to see Alf, or yeah. going to Yorkshire to see uh, Digimath at the time mm-hmm. as well. So, but yeah, he was there. He could easily do big, massive sounds, big, massive bass lines, yeah. and that sorted with me. But each one of them has something that you learn from. It's Different. just I went in with Glenn and I learned more. Yeah. Plus I was upgrading my computer at the time because it couldn't withstand what I was trying to do. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty much me sounds more influenced from Glenn than it is anyone else, if I'm being honest. But yeah. it... You can see with you though, like with with the way, say for instance, I'll, I'll use there's a couple of off the top of my head that I could say you did uh, the the cover of One Happiness, you did Disco Land, them 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 tunes, you can tell you've implemented Glenn's influence of uh, production. Does that make sense? See yeah. how like the, how big the bassline sounds and and how um, it's not. How can I describe it? It's not the way he's EQ'd it as such, or or, or or compressed it, or whatever. But it's 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 you've, you can tell that you've learned techniques. Yeah, sense? it's when you when you see it being made in front of you, and you can ask the questions. Now, fair enough, the basic idea gets put down for you. Yeah. Um, or he asks you, "What do you want it to sound?" When you go in with these people, they literally said, "What do you want to do today?" Yeah. Or they ask you this in advance: "What are you looking to do?" Yeah. I'm looking to learn. Now, a lot of them say the best way to learn is do a track. Yeah. So you can watch me, and anything you see which you're not sure of, ask me a question, I'll give you the honest answer, and then you take that home and adapt that to your own... Exactly, yeah. ...like, style what you're after. Now, I'm not not saying directly copy people, but take the techniques away, because the techniques in there are all the same. Yeah. It was just... A lot of the time, it's the same... It's the same stuff. It's just you EQ. It's slightly different. It's all the same. Yeah. Synths and sounds, but yeah, uh, yeah. It's just how it's EQ'd a lot of the time. But it's when you go in with them type of sounds, the big hard style sounds and yeah. stuff like that. There's only so many places it works. It works at all the big full clubs. It works at all the big fa- happy festivals. But it's when you go into like you know the everyday towns. Yeah. It doesn't work as much. Yeah. So you've got to be wary of adapting certain sounds. You've always got to try and go broad with it. Yeah. Because not everything works wherever you go, and that's the other side of why, when as much as I loved going in with Glenn, you could see there was limitations to that sound. You could see limitations to almost every sound. Yeah. But unless you get to the big, 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 big festivals, like in our scene, it would probably be like uh, where we just had Restricted. Yeah. Where... It's just rammed full of people, and you know you can play whatever you want in to some degree. Yeah. Uh, you got the BTIDs where you can play whatever you want to some degree. Yeah. So as long as you got a smart head on, you can get away with certain styles. But uh, you couldn't turn up to a boozer on like a Friday night somewhere in some random town. Yeah, and- you couldn't really get away with this big happy 
synth, say, like, as you just said, at like a boozer or a regular gig every weekend. You yeah. might get away with one or two in the entire night, but you won't be able to get away with a full hour of it. You'll probably yeah. clear the dance floor. And that's that's the sad reality of music in general. You can't just hammer all one style and it'll work all night. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the dance floor will clear and then you've got to earn your wage and try and claw them back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you are earning your wage then as well, aren't you? It's not just a simple play the tunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, sort of going forward with that, did you notice that when you were p using these techniques with the like that you've picked up off these different producers, Alf as well have been another big yeah, influence yeah. as well. I went in with Alf once, and I wish I went in more, but he moved to Australia. Yeah, then. unfortunate, isn't it? Um, but did you see that how the reactions on the dance floor when you were say say I don't know what gigs were you playing at the time? Roughly 2016, were you? You were resident then, weren't you? Yeah, I think I was, think I was right. coming near to the end of my first run with them. Right. Around about that time. So um, when you were dropping these these tunes that you, uh, these new style tunes that you were doing, where you you, you can clearly see the difference. Between I think it was about 2017 or 2018 when I started going in with Glenn, but my sound started adapting, and it started moving away from me being in the Sopranos. Yeah. Like style at the, at the time. Yeah. I mean, if you're D, if you're a DJ and you're good enough DJ, it doesn't really matter what style. Mm -hmm. uh, you know roughly what to play. Yeah. But my production style was not being catered towards the soprano sound anymore, yeah. or it wasn't being supported by their DJ. That's not a criticism. Everyone's got their own style. Yeah. But uh, it depends on where you are. Depends on the night. Depends on the crowd. Were well, you noticing the difference though? With, with oh, you notice the day. difference instantly with the production. Yeah. The more and more better you tune sound, you can instantly see the difference the second you play it in a club because yeah. you. The reactions are bigger, aren't they? The reactions are bigger, or you can just notice it in the system. Like, yes. I've already had a couple of uh, DJs mention that you can instantly tell when something's either one of mine or it might be one of mine because yeah. the bass is just come i don't know what it's like it's just come straight through the system yeah that's full that's the best way to describe that type of uh, sound <laughs> full yeah but, there's um like i don't know whether you've noticed this or not um and this is more of a producer type thing but um with your with your tracks um so for instance when you um play back what, what have you got at home for instance your monitors what's your monitors you got at home oh yamaha h s7s right okay. i think i think and a sub yeah um but obviously the sub's fantastic when you want to watch films yeah if i want to watch films on my computer you get the full sound of it all yeah. without it being overbearing but um or games on my computer as well that helps them massively but yeah, yeah i've got that with uh, a focus i can't remember what it is is it the 212 it might be it's a sizable oh no it's, it's a one from that uh, i can't remember what the number is yeah yeah it's a sizable one i've got a, a native instruments keyboard yeah uh my computer which glenn helped me build yeah well glenn pretty much built it for me and i was just there giving instructions about because <laughs> he, he knew he was going to get it set up the way i wanted it set up and it yeah. was more cost you know it was cost effective doing it that way but yeah running back and forth from shops because certain computer components didn't fit <laughs> but um that's hard work yeah it cost a lot of money that but we, yeah. it's future proofed anyway it's i mean it, yeah. i'll probably have to replace parts in the next few years but uh, it's an investment not, isn't it yeah it's just an investment yeah but in terms of like music 
things. I had the machine too as well because I wanted to play the drums properly, yeah. and for some strange reason, it doesn't it doesn't agree with my computer at the minute. I don't know what it is. I just because you don't really need it unless you really want to get into it with playing yeah. the drums. Um, you don't really need it, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I mean, you can hear the, you can hear it in the old sort of styles that I used to do, which is like I wish, which was a the rip off of Philip George's. Yeah, yeah. Good tune as well. Yeah, um, you can hear the drums in that where I've actually put them in and keyed them in and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, other ones, you just sort of realise you don't really need. It's just trial and error, and a lot of the time, it's you have a scale stuff back to the bare bones and then come forward. Or like in tracks, you don't yeah. need everything going on in tracks. You can just bring it back as much as you can. And a lot of time, a kick it, a kick an offbeat bass and a good, really good vocal, and maybe a catchy little. Uh, like little synth sound or something yeah you know? I mean that good love at the minute from Anna Lang seems to be the perfect example just strip the whole thing back it is just really a kick a bass a vocal and a catchy little that's it that's the whole track Yeah, and it works for that reason Class. so I think Rob Kane told me something years ago which was less is more it is absolutely. It, you can, I've seen a lot of people where they try and get intricate and do a million different things with like to, for one sound. It's like, well, if you'd have just used these two sounds initially, yeah. you've got everything that that's got, and you've but you've just put hours into it, and it's like sometimes less is more. Yeah. You soon realise when you're doing bass lines the way I do them is you're throwing like five or six bass lines together, and you can you compress them as much as you can. And then you soon realise I've just spent like an hour and a half of my life doing nothing when I could just go and drag and drop. Yeah, but. The other thing to that is a uh, sample quality. Yeah. Newer samples are better quality. That yeah. is a fact. Yeah. Um, or if you're going to work on samples, save all your samples that you've worked on. So if you really like a baseline that you've just worked on, take render the baseline out. As yeah. a producer, that's what I'd do. I'd just render everything out. I'm on Ableton, so I can automatically collect every sample in the project. Yeah. Even the ones I've actually... Or still like, in the VST sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, near enough. So if I really want, I've got everything ready in a folder. So if I want to throw stuff in as quick as I can, yeah, which is the whole idea, if you've got a good idea, get it yeah. down as quick as you can. But um, I was asking you about the, the, the speakers and what speakers you had because um, there's some of your bass lines that you can't, you can't hear but then I, you are one of maybe a handful of people within the bouncing that i've noticed this with is so the technical side of it is um once it uh, gets to a certain level i think it's about 30 hertz or something like that maybe, maybe even 50 um these yamahas and all these all these these um monitors that people pay for these, even the adams and everything like that people are paying thousands for they will not attempt to replicate anything below that so that's where it drops off and um, that's why a sub becomes then useful. Um, when you he play your tracks back through monitors without the sub, so in any sort of whether it's a KRK or um, the the Yamahas or anything, you'll you'll get like a nice full sound. You play in a club where there's a, the sub in the system, you can feel the difference in the track oh, because yeah, a sub, yeah. that sub is replicating it as a as a passive sort of speaker, and it sounds heavy. That, I think that's that's where people are maybe referencing your tracks bedroom producers are referencing your tracks because that's got a fat bass on it and they're maybe not they're maybe cutting off maybe too much when they're doing it do you know what i mean because they haven't got the sub there as i well. just think it's the samples 
Do I you? just think it's the samples. I generally do. It's there's no unless you're making a donk sample from scratch. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them lack below a certain frequency and mm -hmm. we're getting into technical talk here <laughs> and by the way if you can hear nothing but noise i don't know if they will no. we've got someone probably in the next room playing the hardest hard techno i've ever heard yeah like it may as well be hardcore without just it's just a kick and a bass that's it nothing else <laughs> that's all we're hearing at the minute but no um yeah. so it, baseline wise i just I've always liked heavy basses. Mm -hmm. I do like dubstep. Not a lot, but I do like dubstep. Yeah. I love a lot of old garage, just a big womp sound, because it's just... I love being able to feel the bass in clubs. And I, I mean, I, to me, it's like... I, the best example is, is a lockdowns proved what I missed about clubs. Yeah. And I think I seen a video. I was watching Chris Lake do the Red Bull make a track thing on youtube you oh, can yeah, look yeah. it up and he makes a track live there and then yeah. now if you scroll down in the comments like are you watching them make this track live to yeah. some degree and if you scroll down in the comments you actually see a video of them playing it in a massive festival in uh, america mm -hmm. and then I don't know what it is. You can't replicate that sound of festivals. Yeah. And it's always the bass distorts the video to some degree. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I just love that whole feel of when you it's walk good, in a it? festival, you can feel like you can you feel, feel it the rather bass. Than hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you get sort of excited about knowing you're going to, you're what you're walking into. Yeah. And then you actually eventually hear it. So I've always been a fan of, make a good sound good at home but try and make a sound good in the club yeah the sub does help with that i mean don't get me wrong it's a hindrance as well because sometimes when you play it on tellies yeah you can't hear the bass and you're like that doesn't really sound as good as what i thought it would at home <laughs> but that's come through trial and error but a lot of the time it's just throwing a sub under yeah. and just compress the sample and yeah. goes in but when you've gone in with glenn which is near enough everything's a massive heavy baseline he's influenced by a lot of a like dubstepy sounds or electro sounds and yeah. let's say the Melbourne sound which he became synonymous with yeah uh, then started moving into hard style as well and just went from there Alf has always been good yeah no matter what so he just makes whatever him godlike and <laughs> yeah I'm yeah. pretty simple how he works as well it's ridiculously scary how simple he works yeah yeah uh, he doesn't I, do any compression he just goes in and oh we've got a peak here i'll just i'll edit it that little one half a second not even half a millisecond and lower it and then put it back in and then compress it and it just go it's really weird how he does it <laughs> but yeah. it's so simple the other side of it is well when you go in with digimath and he does the funky stuff yeah what's another thing with funky music that you need you need a good baseline yeah everything's baseline orientated at the end of the day the kick and the baseline is near enough to two yeah well, pretty much is the most important things in the track apart from the melody so we if you get them right yeah You've got the core of the track down. Would you agree with this then? I've I've heard tunes in the past and because they've got a really good kick and bass line um, and it carries the, the sort of weight of everything, right? Sometimes the elements on top aren't great, but it's still a good tune because... Yeah, the like, be best example of that is Woody. DJ yeah. Woody, get oh, it, got to get into it. Yeah. There's nothing to that track, but that kick and bass line works for that track. Yeah. Yeah. Now that is really is if you show that to anyone, that's a track where you sit there and you go, "Is that it?" Yeah, but it works. 
yeah. and no one you, that's just the beauty of music you can listen to the most intricate style of music and be yeah. like that's phenomenal and then you can listen to a kick and a beat kick and a bass line and nothing else yeah. for like seven minutes yeah. apart from maybe what a little tiny stab here or there and you go that works just as well as that would yeah it's crazy isn't it's it? it's a fine balance plus no one knows what's going to be a hit yeah um, no a lot of people knows. seem to think that they do but like um you see these a and r people and it's like oh, i'm not interested in this sound i'm not interested in this sound and you see people now who's knocking donk out at one three five and it's going massive you'd never have guessed that it's good it's good for views it's more good for views. I think I seen um yeah. I think I seen a post of Ben Nicky the other day. Um which basically said he was I've looked like he was getting criticized for not putting like hard trance stuff up online. Yeah. And he put up saying something along the lines of it's not good for views. I still do it at them nights, but it's not good for views. Yeah, it's good in the moment. So yeah. I yeah. I think our style of music is good one or two tracks in the middle of a set. Yeah. Um, just for impact value. Yeah. Plus, if you've noticed, a lot more bigger artists or going to be bigger artists are starting to drop this style of music more. What I love more about it all at the minute is whether you see the benefit of it or not, personally, the music's always needed to be a bit of everything. Mm -hmm. It's never needed to be one dedicated genre to this one style yeah. even when i done void which we can talk about that at some point if you want yeah. even when i started doing void um you never just played house you played house you played garage you played techno you played tech house you played piano house organ house whatever the, so the many sub genres yeah, 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 yeah. it gets ridiculous because good music is good music you shouldn't have to say it and sometimes you played old clubland classics and it just worked just as well i mean you have to pick and choose which ones to play yeah you can't just stick anywhere anyway, yeah i yeah. mean you could throw a random, say, club heads kicking hard randomly in the middle and it might get a good reaction, but then you've got to think, hang on, I've got to drag this back down now yeah. to just a simple uh, track. I've gone from, like, something which is really heavy to you've basically that. But it's, as I say, it's just that's reading the crowd. Yeah, riding the wave as well of, like, having to bring it back down, having awareness of having to bring it back down just because you can build it up and get the same buzz again. In other words, Siggy Break... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to plan for the amount of smokers that you might have in the club. Yeah. Sometimes, and that's that's something the smoking band done. Now, some people may not agree with that, but yeah, you can't play a full six to eight hours and expect people to stay in the dance floor no yeah. matter what. So you've got to plan. Right, I've got to play like one or two tracks here, which might disperse the dance floor slightly. Yeah. And then you've got to start playing to get people back, or you've got to start playing it so people will go to bar. Yeah. So there's there's certain things you learn in residency, and that only comes through trial and error, unless you're just a prodigy like Rob is. With just you can go into any club and just sort of being able to just go right, yeah, I'm playing this and it works. <laughs> there's a few people who can do that, but yeah. Now in terms of um, me baselines on production, uh, I just love being able to feel the bass lines. I love how, I love just how it all, uh, I mean, when you, when you drop a track in a club, you want the, the track to have impact. Yeah. And it's not just how it sounds, it's how it feels. And if you feel the bass line coming at you, like more, it, I don't know, it's just, it's my personal preference. It is, yeah. Some people just, some people like a donk, which is a really high pitched donk and there's no bass behind it. Yeah. It just sounds good. 
But for me, it's not just sounding good, it's being able to... You'll never please everybody with the way you do it as well, regardless if you did a high-pitched donk or a, a nice... I don't know, some people thing. don't like the way I make music now, but it's that's personal preference. It is, it is personal preference, yeah. Um, we sort of got off on a tangent there, but I, I like I like I think people will really appreciate your view on it as well. Like that, I think fantastic. whether people care or not's the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, like I said, you, you sound a change and stuff like that, um, and you you got, you were getting these gigs. So what what was like twenty? We'll say we'll say twenty sixteen or twenty twenty just before the pandemic. What was what was that like gigs wise? Because you seem to be sporadically everywhere, and then. Oh, that more, say from 2014 is oh, where yeah. everything, I'll go back, to, I'll regress to 2014. 2014's where pretty much everything started falling into place. Yeah. Um, and then you could sort of ride the wave to some degree for a few years. It's just now, if I knew what I knew now and I could go back. Yeah. Now, this is the case of everything with hindsight. Now, I'm not just yeah. saying this in general. I'm saying I don't market myself very well. Yeah. I've always said this. I am not brilliant at sales. Yeah. That's maybe one my downfall. And to be honest with you, in a job where you've got to sell yourself, yeah. it's you know, it's not it's not easy. Um some people have got the gift of the gab, some people have no shame yeah. in being able to sell themselves, yeah. which is to some degree. Uh, they sell no and, talent. Do you know what I mean? They're they're literally selling you no talent. They 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 like and they get they're getting the gigs because they've got the the marketing aspect nailed. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, it. there's some people in the in the scene who have got yeah. fantastic sales skills. I'm, I might not like either the person personally. Yeah. I might like them enough just to be in you know on friendly terms with them. That's not mean saying I've got any ill will towards anyone. It's just yeah. you don't get on with everyone. Yeah, that's that's, that's just life. life. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. just life. But I can appreciate people for what they do. Yeah. Whether you like them or not, that's not the point. But or whether you personally like him, yeah. whether your political views, personal views, yeah. opinions, whatever, don't match. At the end of the day, you can appreciate skill, yeah, yeah, yeah. no matter what form it takes. Yeah. But seeing as we go regressing to 2014 with this now, I think in that year, I think 2013 I got the acceleration, that's when I come back. Yeah. Apart from, I think I'd done a two bouncy gig before, which got the bug. Yeah. But yeah, I think acceleration was the first proper gig, then Sopranos, and then I think... Maybe one or two, but 2014 hit, and I ended up with a medicine versus overdose versus something else. Hey, those um, are donk, those are donk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The infamous video where Lee Lee asks me, you know, oh, you're smashing everything, you're doing this, you're doing that, and I just turn around and go, yeah, cheers, thanks. And <laughs> Mikey Davis put the monkey bloody noise in. Yeah. You don't know what that is, do we? Someone will probably put it up online or something. Yeah, but, and we know. Um, yeah, that's basically Our smashing granny out of it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah that was one of the um, <laughs> that was one of the first runs which really got me. But yeah. as I say, with as I say, it was a couple of gigs with that, a couple of videos we done. Yeah, and from there I was doing peer. I think I was doing peer literally the following weekend. Yeah, BTID Park Hall, and I think that was weird. I think it was the first time they had Vecchi on. Yeah, and I remember John Guest being there. First time I ever met John Guest properly. Yeah, John G. Um, and he got absolutely hammered that night as well. Absolutely hammered. <laughs> Never seen anything like it. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was where I got in good grace with them. Yeah. And I think they had done a holiday, Loretta Mar. Yeah. 
2014. Yeah, yeah. So that was later on in the year. But from that Park Hall gig, there was a little... Someone was putting on a bounce night in Manchester. Yeah. Um, like bounce therapy. I think it was once a week, once a month. Yeah. And I think it was like a Friday or a Saturday, or one Saturday or one Friday a month or something like that. And Dave said to me, he said to the guy, "Yo, get such and such on because he he knows roughly all the cheesy vocals, cheesy tracks." Yeah. And they asked me, and he told me the wage, and the wage wasn't really that much at the time, but I didn't care because you take what you can get at the time. Yeah. Anyway, so done the wage, um, done the wage, done the gig, and all that, and then I got asked back. Then from there, uh, I got asked again. And he said, can you play house or jacking and yeah. all these type of styles? And I said, well, yeah, yeah, I can do it. I just, I've never done it in a club. I've never done it in a club, yeah. but I can do it. And he said, well, we'll give you, we'll take a point, punt on you. Mm -hmm. And that's basically how I ended up with Void. Yeah. So me and Dave ended up covering the last set in Void in Manchester Canal Street. That's Gay Village for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, went from 2014 to 2019, pretty much until the shut, doing that set. So I always had that in the back of my mind. Like, you'll, you'll see where that comes into it later. Yeah. Because if you're playing house music all the time, mm. or you're constantly having to dig for tunes every week, mm -hmm. or every two weeks, because it was bi-weekly I was doing it, mm -hmm. Now, bear in mind, that was at 7 o'clock till close. Now, close could be 10 or 11 in the morning on a Sunday. So they were heavy. And yeah. by the way, when that shot, some of them actually still went off somewhere and partied somewhere else. So, yeah, yeah it heavy. was heavy, that. And it's yeah. really horrible walking into a gig and it's sunlight. Yeah, broad daylight. I like, broad daylight, Sunday morning, there's something wrong about it. Yeah. I've always said that. I'd rather always walk into a club when it's dark and come out when it's light. Yeah. Like I did last night. I would ram... It's horrible, but I'd rather do that all day long. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so basically we went from Void, and then we later on in the year, done a couple of other gigs, uh, and ended up going to Lorette de Mar. I was going anyway for a yeah. holiday. And then I think Martin, Nitro M, said to me, you know, while you're over there, if you want to do a set, we'll find a space for you. So, done one. Um... I think I'd done a couple while I was over there. And the boat parties where it really took off. Yeah. And I think I'd done a bootleg to annoy another producer in the scene. Yeah, we touched on this last time. Which, um, knife, I think it was Knife Party Elrad. Yeah. And I listened to it and I thought that could be really, really good. That Just that off, the way they'd done the offbeat bass line and yeah. it, the way it drops, I thought that could be a belt of that. And... I've done it with a bootleg with another track, Summertime Sadness by Lana Del Rey. Yeah. And it worked. It's, it, it's, it's probably what a lot of people will know you for if they watch the podcast. To some degree, yeah. yeah so yeah. basically, that, really that and Oi mm -hmm. seem to be the two which are bootlegged and seem to still be getting played now. Yeah. Anyway, so we went on the boat party, got dropped on the boat party. Now, I've already played this track twice, by the way. Mm. Got no reaction technically from anywhere like no not to the degree that it got it then thing yeah. and the reason why i say this is it's something that i keep saying to people tracks do not instantly hit mm -hmm. it takes about five or six plays to get a track over sometimes yeah unless it's on a music video which has been promoted really well yeah or it's on club after party videos or stuff like that the after video unless the music's on them videos it doesn't really take off that much yeah um but I played 
<laughs> Literally, I didn't know where to mix out of one of the tracks that Daz Bircho left me on. Right. So I knew that was what I would call a safe track. Now, a safe track to me is a track that goes into a breakdown. Yeah before it actually drops that's right. i've always perceived that as safe tracks because i don't know where to mix but i can drop this wherever so i'm mixing it drop it and then everyone's singing summertime sadness at the time so it's no big problem then lrad drops eventually and i don't think anyone sort of anticipated the drop that happens <laughs> from it and that's where because you're all on a boat all say the important people who like you got all the people who run the gig yeah heard it and seen the reaction now, sometimes that doesn't happen because a lot of people on nights don't actually be able to see what the reaction's happening to in drops. the crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, they were there. Now, that I, that's what I put it down to. They were there. They seen it. They felt it, and it went off. Yeah. And then from then, uh, it was just off a go. Yeah. And then from that, with bootlegs and stuff like that, it just sort of, it was just me being lazy, more or less, because I didn't have the quality that I would eventually have to be able to do 90% of these tracks. Yeah. But... It was more trial and error. I wanted stuff to play and it didn't always work. Some, um, and you're just trying to find and adapt your sound. Yeah. But it's 2014's the most definitive year. And then I had like a couple of gigs, say from there to 2016. And I was going a lot of gigs with Philbin as well. So you're getting to see what gets played at them gigs as well. Yeah. Because I was his taxi and his carer for a few years there. <laughs> Shot Philbin. Yeah. He'll be made up now with this because he'll watch you. Because <laughs> um, he was telling, saying to me, oh, you didn't even get to it, like the 2014, 2015 recent years. But yeah. Um, but from that point, it was just, it kept build, building and building and building. Yeah. And I think it was around about 2016. I think I was just doing too many bootlegs, too much. Or I just wasn't there yet with me. Mm sound it's it when you can't key and you can't play an instrument it's really hard to make music yeah you've got to be able to do one or the other or at least understand yeah i had to do everything pretty much myself until i went in with people that's mm -hmm. why i had to go in with people because when you're looking in 20 say like 2010 to 2014 on music videos there's next to nothing on youtube mm -hmm. it's all f like fruity loops it's all fruity loops nothing for ableton yeah. And if it is for Ableton, it's in they show you in such a way that you wouldn't do that way. Yeah, yeah. Like Some you people they'll go like a thousand steps when you only need three. Like, yeah, and it's like sometimes you need the yeah. video just to show you how can I be able to play the piano in it mm -hmm. instead of having to just like play the play the piano and hear the notes. Mm. Just show me how to do that because there's nothing that shows you how to do that unless you want to go into a book which is like. 400 friggin' pages mm. just to find this one little thing you want to know mm. and that is what irritated me more than anything with that so you it was a slow process all the way through it's a slow it's a slog absolute yeah. slog learning music's a slog and that's why I, I understand why people go in with people yeah like people go in with engineers people go in with better producers because you will learn more and you'll get more questions hence mm. why we said earlier on when I had to go in with people mm. but yeah, fro goes into 2016, and I'm still getting booked at, like, say, Acceleration, sparingly, but I'm still getting booked at Acceleration, mm -hmm. uh, still getting the regular BTID gigs, yeah. uh, getting regular Soprano. So I was on quite a lot of nights. Yeah. I wasn't on a lot of the ones which I wanted to be on, or I wasn't on at good times at a lot of the nights. Mm. But 
beggars can't be choosers and you can't pick and tie. You're not the one who's in charge of the night, so you, yeah. you get given your set time. If you can do your set time, not a problem. If you can't do it, it's no big deal. Yeah. I mean, as I say, I've done a couple of big ones with BTID, which was like 53 degrees as well. One mm-hmm. of the last times played there. Never. I think I played there years and years ago, like 29, uh, 2009. Mm-hmm. 2009 and 8, and that was for Bounce Heaven. Yeah, and that was in like room two. That wasn't the main room, and you know, there's enough room in them. Sometimes there was enough room in them room twos where a bus could drive through and still not hit anyone. <laughs> so there's not. There's, yeah, it's very sparing amount of people in there, but you gigs a gig. Yeah, but yeah, it's see, you get to 2016. I'm still trying to find me sound. Still trying to find what I'm want to do. Um music wise it's taking a lot of influence from house music that i'm playing yeah as well and the best way to always learn how to do music as well as engineering is reverse engineer a track yeah so the best way to do that was there was a track by um a liverpool lad mick willow um who michael mandel and he'd done a track called the girl right yeah which was um i think it was todd terry forget the girl might be um, so we done a track of that, mm. and it was really good and void, mastered poorly, but it was really good. Yeah. So I reversed engineered that after I went in with Al, and I thought, well, Alf, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, technical. When I went in, after I went in with him, I reversed engineered the next track, which was the girl, mm-hmm. and it's the best way to learn is try and make try and deconstruct the track and make your track sound exactly like the other one because yeah. you learn all the processes yeah like how can i how can i get this piano to sound like this how can i get this bass line to sound like that you learn more by doing that just as much as you would right i'm just gonna do it however yeah, rather than just write a tune you're actually recreating a tune that's already there yeah but whilst you're doing it you're like well why doesn't my why doesn't why doesn't my hi-hat sit like theirs and it's like only when you really dig into a deconstructing a track that you realise, ah, right, okay, this is how we did this. It was only something simple, but at least I know how to do it now, yeah. if I'm going to do it in the future. That happens a lot when you're doing melodies as well. That really does happen a lot when you're doing melodies, because sometimes you sat there going, this should sound right how I'm meant to be doing it. This should be this note, this note, this note, and then yeah. it should be going these three notes again. No, it probably only one note's been moved. It's yeah. all exactly the same. But I started investing in software there as well. With my music production, which was fucking hell. What the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, if you if you're really hearing this, it really is hard. <laughs> I'd love to know. I'd love to know what's going. You know what? I, I don't mean this nasty now when I say this, but I can just imagine like <laughs> no full on goths in there. Right. Just want to say we're back for we're back for one minute. Um, the goths heard us and they're coming to knock Phil out. So for, for, <laughs> says again. Hey, I never actually said anything bad. You said you could smell them. And yeah, no, could you not? <laughs> but yeah, I just want to say we're going to be back for part three very very soon. I appreciate uh, the the I appreciate your time, Phil. Um, <coughs> Do you enjoy I ch- down, yeah? I ch- come. It's more for you, not me. me. I, only li- <laughs> I only live around the corner. Yeah, so we're going to come back. You for- live three hours away. Yeah, more. Um, we're going to come back for part three very, very soon. Just want to say thank you to everyone for listening. Um, as as usual, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Phil. We only scratched the surface there. But, yeah, 
I hope their feedback doesn't come on to our recording because it's getting louder. <laughs> it is, it really is. It's yeah. quite amazing. I've never... I'm fascinated to knock on to see what, what's going on because all yeah. I've got in my head is just... How can I put it? Have you ever been to a dubstep or seen a dubstep yeah. festival? With it? Yeah. Like that. If you really could hear it, it really is. I've never... What is he? I know these are soundproof these as well, and the door shut out there, and, and we've got this door shut. Yeah, as well. so they've got a door. Got That's a door, soundproof. Yeah. These walls are soundproof. Our doors are fully shut, and you can still hear it. And yeah. by the way, they're not actually the next room. Like I said earlier, we've just realised the four doors down. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, 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 across I don't the, think on the same side. They're over, yeah. over the other I side don't even door. think people in there can hear <laughs> what they're doing. Oh. Oh, if yeah. they could hear, I wouldn't be playing that music. Yeah. I'm, I'm not one to criticise music, but I couldn't handle that for a full hour. I, <laughs> I went to a, I went to a hard house night, Sund Essential in yeah. twenty. Oh, is it when, when was that? Oh, two thousand and eight, and I had to walk away from one of the DJs. I won't say the DJ's name, yeah. because I actually met the DJ years later, and I told him to his face. I said I couldn't fucking stand that set <laughs> because all it was was just. It felt like. A, have you ever been to a night and it sounded like the DJ hasn't mixed out of that one track? Yeah, it's just... Yeah, there's no baseline change. There's no change at all. Same it's same, all same, Near enough the same key. Yeah. Same hoover noises, same stabs. It, it feels like he's just put this track on loop for an hour, play something different, play something to break up the rhythm. Yeah. So irritating. It was yeah. just off Breakdowns, offbeat, breakdowns offbeat. for one bar as well where it'll just go... Yeah, it really was. It was, back it, it, it was just... Filth and and it wasn't even good filth. It was just you walk away going, is he still playing the same tune? And then you hear like blow your mind, Club Cavalier, come on, and you're like, what is this greatness in the middle of this mess? <laughs> I mean, I don't mean that nasty to anyone who loved that Sunday Central night at the time, but yeah. I mean, Dave laughs about it now. Dave Gray, General yeah. Bounce, for those who don't know, he laughs about it now because he said that's literally the extreme. Of, of, of like yeah, yeah. really one side of the extreme and then i went to tidy weekend the once and that was that was an experience <laughs> um i've never seen so much drugs in my life and uh, i mean yeah, i don't, yeah. i shouldn't really be saying that but we'll that's, the that fact. <laughs> that's the fact that is the yeah. fact i've never walked into a chalet and literally their breakfast was drugs <laughs> it's like the skit from harry enfield where he goes like where he does the manchester yeah lot of takes the mech out he goes yeah, yeah what do you want for breakfast drugs on toast <laughs> that really was what it was like you walk in and i've never seen so many happy you're probably gonna have to cut this now yeah. so if you you wonder why we suddenly get a few snippets that's why but no <laughs> i you can say it now it's fucking it's pressed out it's not pressed out it was south for pontons yeah, you'd have to be on drugs to fucking live to go there <laughs> I mean I don't mean that nasty but yeah, it's a shithole it really is I've been to a couple of pontons now go to Haven <laughs> go go just somewhere else just, yeah <laughs> stay else. rent a caravan yeah. I know people say they take the I don't mean it nasty when people go there but I just it's a prison camp yeah I can know you're coming from you're locked in now, people might say that when you go abroad, all-inclusive. Mm. Yeah, but at least when you're abroad, all-inclusive, you've got a pool. Yeah. You've got food. Food. It's decent. Food. Yeah. <laughs> no, what is what is left from the dregs of this seagull's back end? Mm. And kids who have touched every piece of fucking meat. 
No, it's just it, I don't mean it. I just don't like. I just don't understand Pontons. I'm probably not the only one who says this because there's plenty of people who watch shit on YouTube saying Pontons is awful. The yeah. place hasn't changed since the '60s. Yeah, it's the same decor and everything. Exactly, yeah. everything's exactly the same. And the it when I went that tidy weekend, it's like you can see why people have raves there. <laughs> but at the same time, no, it they're awful. Mm. I really do. I went to Haven and Puelli. Um, I hope I pronounced that right. And I loved it there. It wasn't. I loved it for a different reason though. Yeah, just it's because. Not, yeah. It's it's literally in the middle of nowhere. It's like because you're in the middle of nowhere. There's a you drive out the site and you can go to the beach and all this. Now I know you can do that in Pontons. Yeah. But you're in Southport. <laughs> and on that note, thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> My rant. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate it. Nice one for coming on, mate. It was a. Uh... <laughs> It's been special. Part three coming soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>